Hello. And welcome to another episode of Special Features, the only podcast on the internet that features a couple of good old Aussie blokes talking about <laughs> popular <laughs> culture. I am one of the blokes. My name is Lexi Tullio. <laughs> and the other guy across from me, he's a bloke. He's a yobbo. And good Lord, I know there's got at least one mate in the name of Robbo. Uh, it's Cameron James. <laughs> I've actually, I guess I have heard you describe yourself as a bloke, but it, it is jarring to hear yourself <laughs> described that way. Yeah. Um, I think of you, you are a bloke. I, you I am, are, of course. But you are and I'm a, bloke a gentleman bloke. as well I'm and a, a scholar as I'm well. I'm a scholar. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a scholar. That, I'm a studious oh fella. Should we do a parody of um, <laughs> Chris Franklin's bloke parody, but it's called Gentleman and Scholar? <laughs> He's a gentleman, he's a scholar, you just know he wears white collar. <laughs> oh, God. All right, it's writing itself, it's writing itself. We don't have to do very much work at all. Uh, for anyone who's listening who has no idea what we're referencing, it is a, a parody song by Australian comedian Chris Franklin. The parody song is called Bloke, and it is a parody of the song Bitch by Meredith Brooks, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, it's one of the most famous songs in Australia. Yeah, it's like one of the highest selling singles ever in our country, and it's known more than the original song in this country. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you go to a karaoke bar, you can request both the Meredith Brooks one and the Chris Franklin one. That's how and famous it is. You have seen Chris Franklin sing it at karaoke. <laughs> I've seen Chris Franklin at a karaoke club do his own song. And obviously destroyed, way harder than anyone else destroyed. And then he came off stage and I said, I can't believe you just sang your own song. Aren't you sick of that yet? And he said, every time I request it, that's money back in my bank account. Wow. Because he gets paid, I guess, 30 cents from APRA for every time he gets paid at a karaoke, played wow. at a karaoke club or something. Far out. That's a stick of gum, mate. <laughs> Not That's bad a stick of gum. at all, mate. Not That's, bad at all. The gum king. Stick of spearmint, man. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. The breath that, that he's going to make his breath all nice and fresh. Oh, for when he sings it again at the next club. <laughs> Cameron, you have tantalized me today. You sent oh, me a message brother. this morning saying, I have something that you might find interesting. And mm. I'm, I'm, you know, we've been talking about the bloke, the great bloke, but we need to move on. I need to know... Mm. I'm complete. I'm on. I'm on hooks, mate. I'm on hooks. I've got shivers going down yeah. my body. What is up? I well, the the exact wording of the text I sent you this morning was, "I have some personal news wow. that you may find interesting." Mm -hmm. And then I followed it up by saying, "Between you and me, I'm a little bit ashamed mm. about this personal news, this revelation, this addition to my life. Wow. I'm a bit embarrassed by it, but I feel like." If there's anyone I can talk to about this, you might be the person. And I feel like I trust our listeners who've been listening to us for many a year now, a lot mm -hmm. of them, and they I feel like they know me. They're not going to rush to judgment. Yeah. Uh, wow. But I do need guidance in whether, oh in whether I've – I feel like I've reached a fork in the road and I need you to help me decide which road to take. Whew. Whoa, okay. One, one fork is the track that I've been on mm -hmm. for all these years. And the others the other fork, 
may lead to an entire new personality for me. Wow. A portal has opened. A portal has opened and I can go left or right and decide whether I'm staying the same or whether I'm going to change forever. Mm -hmm. And it's all down to this one purchase that I made, an impulse purchase. Impulsive purchase. You are not an impulsive guy when it comes to these kind of things. No, I'm not. I'm absolutely not. I think things out. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, a lot of people probably know this from listening to the show, someone who like gets a bit obsessive with the pop culture that I'm Mm -hmm. ingesting. If I decide I'm going to read a Stephen King book, that becomes I'm going to read every Stephen King book. Yeah. (laughs) It becomes a lifelong mission. It becomes a whole thing. Like I can't just dabble here and there. Mm -hmm. It's uh. And I did did the same with Elmore Leonard. I read all the Mm -hmm. Elmore Leonard books. Obviously, every time I get into a musical artist, I will end up trying to buy their entire collection of vinyl if I can. And when Cameron says musical artist, he means people like Andrew Lloyd Webber. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Sondheim. (laughs) We're Sondheimists over here. Some people prefer, some people like Stephen Sondheim. I prefer Eric Wareheim. Whoa, okay. That and is... that's another example, actually, because I have been making my way through the Foodheim book, yep. cooking every single one of those meals. Like, I, I do have an obsessive nature, mm-hmm. and this was a total impulse buy. I've never bought anything like this before in my life, Whoa. and oh I'm God. enjoying it. Cameron's holding up a Funko Pop. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's not too far removed. Whoa, oh my it's god. Too far I'm feeling removed. sick. I went from being excited to feeling fucking <laughs> sick right now. What's going All right, on? I'm just gonna tell you. So I was Christmas shopping this week mm-hmm. and I saw this in the store oh, and it it captured my eyes and I started looking at it and then I walked away and then I came back. And I looked at it again oh, and wow. I picked it up. Something and was calling f- to you. It was calling to me and it, I started flicking through it. <gasps> and I was entranced by the visuals that I saw. And I need to tell you, Alexi, that this week, for the very first time, I bought my very first comic book. Whoa. Okay. And it's a cool one too. Cameron James is a graphic novel fan now. I don't know. I don't know yet, but I did. Mm-hmm. I will just say, uh, I'm holding it up for the camera for you. If you mm-hmm. can't read the title, it is Batman 89. And this is a comic book continuation of the realm of Tim Burton's Batman films. I mean, yes. quite an enticing thing for me to know that you're interested in. Mm, mm. Well, I immediately thought of you because I know that you're you're not uh, impartial to a, a graphic novel. You don't mm. mind them. And I think in the past we've discussed the Burton Batman movies a little bit and yes. how they're kind of, particularly Batman Returns, is just like... A, fucking blast mm. and a great world great visual world a um feast. a feast for the eyes a good christmas flick for anyone out there looking for a, mm-hmm. a seasonal film to chuck on absolutely i would say it's one of my top five christmas flicks it's up there for sure and uh i i don't know i just i 
I didn't even know this existed. I knew mm. that they'd done a Batman 66 thing. I remember someone telling me about that. And they DC also did a Superman 78, which is mm. a continuation of the Christopher Reeve movies. Um, but this just, I saw it in the bookshop. I picked it up. And honestly, the moment that I saw the logo on the front of the book, which is styled to look like the Batman logo mm -hmm. from the VHS of Batman 89 that I had when I was a kid, I knew I was going to buy it. I just wow. knew the second that I saw the fucking big pointy ears, mm -hmm. I saw that the cartoon picture of Batman looked like fucking Michael Keaton. I was immediately, I was like, oh no, I'm wow. going to buy this. Because it's I Keaton just... in book form. Fuck. I'm buying it. Fuck, <laughs> I want, I'm buying I want more. Book. Like yeah. I want more Michael. I want a little bit more of this world. And then I flipped the book over. So I've got mm -hmm. the hardcover. Um, it's a deluxe like, edition. I did see it. <laughs> when Kevin deluxe... looked at to the camera, it's a deluxe edition. It's a deluxe edition of all six issues of this mm -hmm. comic. On the back cover... This might have been the thing that got me over the line. All right, okay, so... can I? I think I know what it is. Can I All guess? Because right. I have not got this, mm -hmm. but there's one tantalizing thing about it that mm. has tempted me every single time. And I've not bought a new Batman book in a while, but I know that this is the one that's coming for me. And now I know I don't have to buy it because you own it. I can just <laughs> borrow it from you, which is a relief for me. Um, is it... Mr. Billy D. Williams, full realization as Two Face. Well, that's one of the things that got me over oh, the line. Okay. That is that is very exciting because obviously anyone who's seen the first two Batman flicks, the Burton ones, knows that Billy D. Williams is playing Harvey Dent in those movies. And the idea going forward was that maybe by the third one, we were gonna see a transformation to Two Face, which is very fucking exciting to imagine because Billy D. Williams, one of the coolest, smoothest, most handsome motherfuckers on the planet. Great movie star. Great movie star. Very exciting to picture him with half a fuck ugly face, giving a crazy performance. You're like, finally, he's evened out for the rest of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> one half gorgeous, one half fuck ugly. <laughs> Obviously, that was very exciting. Like seeing. On the back cover, they've got a, a picture of Billy D. Williams styled mm -hmm. Harvey Dent Two-Face. Then they have Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle. Very exciting to see her again. Then they have Barbara Gordon styled to look like Winona Ryder. Very exciting. Whoa. Okay. Very exciting because that was the, wow. the dream casting. But this is the one I wanted to tell you about because this mm -hmm. is the one that literally... As soon as I saw this, I immediately just added it. I was like, all right, okay, I'm buying this right now. I'm oh going to buy this God. before I buy the Christmas presents I came here wow. to buy. The uh, Robin is in this. Uh, as <gasps> you know, Robin is a character who's in Batman's. Of course. He, he's famously uh, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> he's famously played Batman by Returns. Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Batman Returns. Oh, no, not Batman Returns. Darkfire <laughs> no. Rises. Excuse Dark us. Excuse Rises. us. Excuse us. Famously played by him. Uh, but in the Burton Batman mm, universe. I didn't know this was in here. He was going to be played by, and this was official he mm -hmm. had signed the contracts there was toys was i think there's in. a toy there's a toy there's of a it. toy there yeah, is a toy he's freaking head popping out of the suit it's marlon wayans as robin which 
swear to God, as soon as I saw the likeness, I was like, this is a must buy for me. I need a world. (laughs) I need a world where I get to see Marlon Wayans as Robin. I fucking love Marlon Wayans. Wow. And I, I, I almost grieve the like the super mega movie star that he could mm-hmm. have been you know if this if this ever came to be but i think it's cool that we get like a a likeness of him in this book and get to reimagine you know, what it would be like to see like i guess 21 year old marlon way mm-hmm. playing a fucking superhero unreal <laughs> so unreal so sick and um, this is an incredible journey that you're on. I can't believe that you've bought one a comic book and two it's a superhero comic book. But yeah. it makes total sense. This has been one of those tantalizing items out there in the world that I felt a glow around. I'm like, oh, should I go for this? Have you started reading it yet? I have. Yeah, I've uh, I've read. I guess the first chapter or the first issue within it. There's six chapters in it, and. Um, it's so fun, man. I and it also it took a while for me to get used to reading mm. uh, like comics because it's such a different style of just where your eyes move around the page. Yeah, that's um, a friend of ours, Nico Malian. He's had trouble getting into comics as well for that reason. Just like going, well, do I read first or do I look at the picture first? And I yeah, think yeah. If it's not been part of your life, like I can't. I think I even learned how to read from comics when I was a kid. So it's kind of, you know, now you just go. It's second nature where I don't even think about do I read first, do I look first. It just kind of absorbs at the same time. Yeah, I. I mean, I've just been just realizing that I will often go straight to the words first, then I'll look at the pictures, and then I'll go back to the words. Mm. And I just spend a bit longer on each page, which isn't a bad thing because you can yeah. just be looking at all the cool little details. And with with this one in particular, I mean, granted, this is my first fucking book, my first comic book, but it's the Burton Gotham City. So there's so many cool little details and feasts for the eyes going on in the corner of every page. And there's lots of little references to things that you would have seen in the movie so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm like enjoying spending a little bit of time on each page and having fun in that regard wow so i feel i (laughs) you're on a journey now you're on the journey i can (laughs) tell and i always say this because i know you're also a minimalist you're afraid of gaining clutter too much Mm -hmm. but because you Mm -hmm. are an obsessive there is the collector's impulse in your brain what i'm going to tell you is I have a lot of comics and I know the ones that you will like and I do own a lot of them. And you got other friends that are like Levens and stuff who are comic book experts. We can loan you them so you don't have to go fully impulsive. But I will tell you the ones that I know that you will love that I mm-hmm. can imagine you becoming an obsessive collector on. Shall we okay. do kind of an introduction to for Cameron James into the world of comic books? Oh, yeah, I think so, because I'll say this. When I got about five pages into this book, I immediately added to my cart on Booktopia, Superman 78, Mm -hmm. um, All-Star Superman, and the Frank Miller um, Batman Year One books. And then I was like, I can't do that. I can't spend like... 200 bucks on comics and I haven't even read this one yet. Mm. I was just getting excited, you know. Yeah. But give me give me some like tips. Like what should I 
I mean, should I stay in the superhero realm or what do you think? You're, you do like superhero stuff and comics are a great way to engross yourself within superhero uh, content. But I know what's in your heart. I know the kind of stuff that you really dig. And for want of a better way to describe it, I think you're a neo-noir fiend. <laughs> I know that's As in the of- Matrix. Oh, yeah, of course. When Neo puts that black coat on, that's what you like. (laughs) Neo-noir. No, but I know that you love, like, kind of, like, crime and pulp, and especially, like, kind of detective, procedural, or that kind of stuff. That's so much Mm -hmm. in comics. And there's a path you can go down with Batman, down that path, which I know that you would love, and I'll be happy to give you the recommendations, like, Batman U1 is fantastic. The Frank Miller, the his Dark Knight Returns uh, is fantastic as well. I think you would really dig. Uh, his Long Halloween, uh, Batman Long mm. Halloween by Tim Sale, you would really love too, <laughs> which has been kind of like the basis for both uh, the Dark Knight and the Batman come from that. But mm. I'm going to take a step back from that kind of superhero uh, comic book area and give you a recommendation and it's like a straight fucking bowling ball down the alley, all the way up that alley, and it's a full-blown strike for you. Uh, there are these <laughs> creators called Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, and they work in the crime genre mostly. They've ca- they came through, you know, the superhero comics, uh, making stuff for Batman, Captain America, all of that kind of stuff. But what they are known for is like hardcore crime uh, fiction that goes into the graphic novel form. So it's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Their seminal series is Criminal, which has gone on for years and years. Uh, Originally ran for like 10 issues, but each kind of, now they keep continuing it. And each time it is basically just a new aspect of crime. It's kind of like Elmore Leonard, but a little bit more hard, I'd say. There's just like a harder, Mm. grittier edge to it than Leonard. Still in that pulpy space, but... um, just uh, yeah the only way i can really describe it is gritty and hard but really really enjoyable but the one and i think that's like straight down the line you will love it but the one that i really connected with i fucking loved is uh they did a limited series that is collected now in like deluxe editions and stuff they can just go and get and just in just really enjoy it completely they did a 1940 set noir series called the fade out they set in hollywood and mm, the fade fuck. out uh, is uh, it's kind of like partly inspired by the author Ed Brubaker's uncle, who was a screenwriter suffering from PTSD and kind of looking after his best friend who uh, had been blacklisted in like the Hollywood McCarthy era stuff. Already, I'm mm. telling you stuff that I think you're interested in. Yeah, I'm, all my ears are pricking up, dude. Mm. My little Batman ears are pointing <laughs> right up to the sky. <laughs> His spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> and there's cameos from people like Clark Gable and stuff. But it is basically like, uh, I believe, a 12-issue miniseries that is just a deep dive into the world of like classic era noir. And it's that kind of stuff like Sunset Boulevard or the Humphrey mm. Bogart movie In a Lonely Place that just captures that kind of seedy underbelly of Hollywood as it's petering out of its golden era. 
Oh my god, dude! I'm looking at some images from this at the moment. It looks so up my alley. Mm. And it's the kind of thing that I'm like, I am surprised that it has not been uh, turned into a TV show or a movie or something like that. But I'm just reading it now. I heard that Brubaker did not want to sell the rights to it until it was finished. And now he's kind of, he, he didn't want it to change how he was writing it as a comic mm. book. He didn't want it to affect that. So I think that the though those creators Ed Brubaker and uh, oh, why can't I Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips I think are right up your alley. Yeah, this totally. I love this exact thing, like L.A. noir, mm-hmm. um, Hollywood shit. I'm a big fan of like the James Elroy books and um, you know L.A. Confidential, American Tabloid, that kind of stuff. Oh man, this looks so up my alley. A hundred percent. Do you do you own it or does anyone own it that I can buy I own it from? It. I'll All give right, it to good. you immediately. I'll give it to you immediately because I think it is <laughs> that is a great place to start because it's just so contained. And then criminal it kind of when you get into criminal after that, um I would even probably act like utilize do you have an iPad or something? That's probably a really good way to get into comics is with an iPad. So you're spending a little bit less and you're not accumulating mm-hmm. like stacks and stacks. Yep. And sometimes things can be a bit hard to like find because they go out of print, but you can find them more often or not in like the digital space. And mm. uh, Criminal is a bit like that, like because it's expansive, it's been going on for a long time. It can be hard to find like the exact ones that you want to get in a physical form. And also, I'd say even reading on an iPad, it's a great training ground because it kind of gives you things frame by frame. So you kind of teaches mm. you how to move across a page uh, and how to kind of follow the story almost like a fucking frame-by-frame film. So it just, Mm. it kind of can teach your eye, can teach your eye how to do there. I'm trying to think of other recommendations for you that are kind of in not just this space, but maybe jump around genres a little bit. Uh, Another thing that I think you could kind of get into because it's a really whack version of it that I can't see ever being adapted into a film or a series. Uh, It is a giant space opera called Saga. Uh, Have you ever heard Mm. of Saga? Because it's kind of is like- No. It is kind of the big thing in comics. I think it's on hiatus at the moment, but it is almost like- it's the size and scope of Star Wars or Game of Thrones or even like stuff like Lord of the Rings, but it also has like a bit of a, a Romeo and Juliet uh, aspect to it. It follows a husband and a wife. They're like an extraterrestrial series that are kind of being chased by, uh, I guess, like the authorities from around the galaxy. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have a daughter that's born at the very start of the series. It's, it's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who's like a big comics creator and drawn by Fiona Staples. Uh, and it is just the way that it's like captures like this cosmic space. I can't even imagine how you would be able to visualize this in another medium. So it's kind of a really good way to get into it and still ongoing, but it's been collected into like three large volumes now. And from last I heard, I've not jumped back onto it because my day in comics is at a pause at the moment. Um, I, I think that it is 
it's just it's quite expansive and it would be just a fun one for you to just go it's not always in your space but i know there are sometimes like a sci-fi or a fantasy thing that will uh mm. inspire you or get you into it i think because this is like a little bit i think with comics if you go into like more the image comics which is a, a brand in the same vein as dc or marvel but it's more about like creator based stuff that are really creative and interesting and a little bit dare I say off kilter, it kind <laughs> of is a great way to get into it by going, oh, there's something something a little bit odd here, something a little bit uh, that uses the visuals in an interesting sense. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I'm looking at uh, a little bit of this now. I mean, it looks crazy. It looks, I mean, I'd be curious to try it out. But yeah, like a, a big space opera type thing has never 100% been my thing. I've gotten into Star Wars intermittently over the years, but mm-hmm. um, not. I've never fully gone in on that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can imagine that the uh, the uh, fade out one would be way more up my alley. That's a straight shot. The, those works, those credits, is a straight shot. This is something a little off kilter. If you feel like mm. exploring something that not you're you're not usually in, which I think when you go into a new medium could be a way to do so. Yeah, true, true, true. Do you, have you read uh, like a lot of the superhero ones? And, uh, and if so, are there any that are like a must read? I have, and I probably have mainly read the stuff that are must reads. When I was growing up, I was obviously really into Batman, like most little fellas are. And I mm-hmm. think I even remember spending, fuck, man, this is my shame and embarrassment. My first paycheck um, that I got for my job working at, at my fucking video store was I split it in two. I bought uh, Batman Year One and mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. And the other half of my paycheck, I bought a fucking leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I went to DFO and bought a nice brown leather jacket that I'd always wanted. Um, I would give you some recommendations in superhero stuff. Like, I grew up reading X-Men as well. But I think X-Men, it's hard to go, read this, because it was more about the issues rather than Mm. than a continuing saga, rather than going, like, here's a great graphic novel that you can just get into and is self-contained. But I'll give you a Superman one, because I'm not really a Superman guy, but... um, I really like these creators that I mentioned before, Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb, who did Batman The Long Halloween, which is mm-hmm. probably my favorite Batman comic these days. After I read that, I loved it. And there's even a sequel, Dark Victory, and a Catwoman spinoff called Catwoman When in Rome um, that I really, really enjoy. And you'll dig the art styles because they're quite, they're quite classic. And in mm. that kind of space that is not going for realism, it's going for style. Um, and they did a Superman series. It's a four issue comic book that is called Superman for all seasons. And Hmm. each story is kind of themed around, I guess, a holiday or a season. And it feels very contained and it's probably been my most enjoyable entry into Superman at all. Uh, and you will like it because it captures to kind of capture that Americana, all American vibe of Superman. I'd say that the art style of it, it is that kind of like 
stylistic sense of like a Norman Rockwell painting to kind of bring into that space and like soak into that all American feeling that Superman exhibits. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm looking at some visuals from this. That looks pretty fun. That's a nice, like, uh, yeah, it does look very old school, doesn't it? A bit 50s, Mm. 60s. Yeah, nice. It's crazy. I've also never been a Superman guy. Mm. Um, And I've never really got, like, understood the Superman thing. The closest I've come to understanding it is Captain America in the um, Marvel movies. That's the first time that I ever kind of went, oh, I guess it is kind of exciting to watch just a good person (laughs) try really hard to be good amongst a bunch of bad people. Um, But I've I've never gotten into the Superman movies. I was never a big fan of them Um, when I was a kid. I just found them a bit boring. But um, this one is one I've heard about before, and I've also... Justin Hamilton raved about All-Star Superman, mm-hmm. um, which I think is Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. He and Ben Elwood are big Grant Morrison guys. Yeah, yeah. They're, they have talked to me at length about Watchmen mm-hmm. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Watchmen um, could be interesting for you as well because I don't think anyone has really been able to adapt adapt the kind of like Moore and Gibbons vibe of it quite well. Like I think that could be uh, like a, it's something that could be interesting for you to go because especially you've seen so many superhero shit now uh, mm. that like kind of going into the Alan Moore space with Watchmen is good. Like it, Watchmen almost... It will almost be like something I would have recommended back in the day, going like, oh, it can't be your first comic book. But because you have been inundated by superhero shit elsewhere, maybe it's a nice way to go, well, what is the subversion of that in the comic book space? Rather than just going, okay, let me just read stuff that has inspired all the superhero movies I love. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I, I have seen the movie mm-hmm. and I didn't really get that into it. It's a different experience to read the graphic novel. It's complete. It's, you know, it's a solid adaptation uh, physically of what the panels look like and what the dialogue is and the motive, like the the way that the plot unfolds. But uh, the subtext is completely different in what comes out when you read it. Like it's, right. it's an evisceration rather than a celebration of superhero stuff. Uh, and an evisceration of America rather than, you know, whatever the movie was going for. And I don't dislike the movie. I don't dislike it. I think it's quite good. Uh, Maybe another area of recommendation is stuff that creators that you do like that have gone into comics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I would recommend is a writer that I know that you love has done two comics uh, that are fucking cool that might appeal to your sensibilities as well. Um, I'm talking about Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was a big comics guy growing up, and he always kind of wanted to get into comics. And he did a series called Get Zero, which is a very pulpy kind of, uh, like, I guess, I don't even know how to describe it, but kind of like those urban fantasy space, uh, something like The Warriors. Um, Hmm. 
I'm just going to read you the blurb for Get Jiro. Uh, a New York Times bestseller in a not-too-distant future LA where master chefs rule the town like crime lords and people literally kill for a seat at the best restaurants. A bloody culinary war is raging. On one side, the internationalists who blend foods from all over the world into exotic delights. On the other side, the vertical farm who prepare nothing but organic vegetarian macrobiotic dishes. Into this mailstorm steps Jiro, a renegade and ruthless chef known to decapitate patrons who dare request a California roll or who stir wasabi into their soy sauce. Both sides want Jiro to join their factions. Jiro, however, has bigger ideas. In the end, no chef may be left alive. That does sound cool. It is pretty cool. It's a really fun read, especially it's got like, you know, Bourdain's ear for speech and like his kind of patter, his tastes are in there. He also made another great one, and I prefer this one even more to Get Giro, um, which is it's a horror series. It's one graphic mm. novel. I think it's four anthology uh, called Hungry Ghosts. And this is what he says. A circle of chefs gather to outscare each other with terrifying tales of fear and food from around the world uh, as they play. Oh, as they play the game of 100 candles and pray they survive the night. Cooked up by the late best-selling author and veteran chef Anthony Bourdain and an acclaimed novelist Joel Rose, back together from the New York Times bestseller Get Jiro, includes five all new original recipes prepared by Bourdain as well. So it's kind of like ghosty <laughs> horror anthology. Cool. Could be a good way to get into because you're a food guy. Another series that mm. I would recommend because I know you're a Spielberg guy and it's kind of a take not unlike when Stranger Things was coming around and taking those kind of uh, those ideas and those feelings of those mm. 1980s nostalgia. It's the same author as Saga um, Brian K. Vaughan. It's called Paper Girls. And oh, you've talked to me about this. Yeah. Yeah, I think back in the day when I was getting into it, they adapted to a TV series that I think only ran for one season. But it is a 30-issue series. Uh, Paper Girls follows the story of 12-year-old newspaper delivery girls set in Stony Stream, a fictional suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, as they are out delivering papers on the morning after Halloween. The town is struck by an invasion from a mysterious force from the future. The girls become unwillingly caught up in the conflict between two warring factions of time travelers. And it captures all those Spielberg feelings, but with really bright colors. That sounds cool. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that a few years ago. That sounds awesome. Mm. Paper Girls. Yeah, I'll look that one up. That one sounds cool. I can't believe there was a series of it. It's crazy. Hey, uh, another one, I'd, I remember hearing you talk about this. Did you ever buy this? Did you ever buy the um, Django Zorro? I did indeed. This was another suggestion I was thinking of you because I think another way to get into them is by just going, what are the things I like? And it's already worked with, with Batman 1909, continuations into uh, films that you love. And Django and Zorro is a lot of fun because it is written, I think, by uh, Django, uh, by a Zorro comic book author that's been writing Zorro for a while. So it blends like his Zorro run with Quentin Tarantino's Django from Django Unchained. 
and it mm. kind of takes on the story for it's a real life story from American history that was turned into a Samuel Fuller movie in the 1940s, a western called uh, The Baron of Arizona. So it takes like these three hmm. things that are really interesting, separate, brings them together to create something really like swashbuckling and fun. God damn it. That sounds so cool. Mm, so I, that I just like love Zorro so much. I'll lend it to yeah. you right away. <laughs> That's like a, a must read for me. Um, mm. Obviously, I love Django Unchained, but um, I love Zorro movies. I'm yep. a, I think the first Zorro movie is mm. in a, it's a top. I'm not going to go so far. Uh, the as first say top Zorro five. movie, probably a silent fucking movie. So maybe make yeah, yourself right. clearer. Sorry. I'm sure everyone's imagining Cameron James silent home. era Zorro movies. Sorry, everyone at home. Of course, I'm not referring to the fucking reels that would play before the war <laughs> and fucking bullshit that you watched <laughs> in the th- in the theater with everybody when you dress in a full suit and go sit down and watch a news reel. No, I mean the the fucking one with Anthony. What's his name? Anthony <laughs> Banderas name? and Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins and Anthony Banderas. I mean the first one of those ones. I love mm, the first the one. Zorro. I'd say it's a top twenty-five movie for me. It's not mm-hmm. in my top five. It's yep. not even in my top twenty, but it's a top twenty-five. And the top twenty-five, there's fifty movies that could fill that little that five yeah, extra 100%. spot. Mm-hmm. But changing. no one will ever call on me to hear the entire 25. So that's just a, a number I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. That, I mean, that one would be right up my alley. That's mm. the kind of thing. I, I love a little swashbuckling adventure. Yeah. Oh, God, you'll have fun. The other kind of stuff that I would recommend is stuff like Daniel Close, uh, Ghost World, because the comic book that becomes that movie is quite different. But he's someone that shares your interest in music and stuff that might be kind of a gateway into not just comic books but also you know interesting jazz old records that kind of stuff cranky cantankerous old men young women mm. it sounds gross when i describe it that way but it's nice <laughs> yeah i've come close to buying ghost world and american splendor a couple of mm. times in the past um just based on liking the movies and being like yeah i'd kind of like to see a little more of this stuff Mate, to use um, this as a little bit of a pivot point in the podcast, I rewatched American Splendor. I absolutely loved it. I think I'm going through a change in my life right now as well. I'm at a fork oh, no. in the roads, and I've oh, already started walking Oh, my God, I think I know what you're going to say. I'm already walking down that other side of the fork. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And I think it's because you – did you recently go and see – uh, that new Alex Payne movie. I did go see the new Alexander Payne movie, The Holdovers, that does star <laughs> the same actor in a lead role as American <laughs> Splendor, one Paul Giamatti. At one point oh in time, gosh. an actor I did not dig. Of course, there are exceptions that prove the rule where their performances like American Splendor, Love and Mercy, or, of course, his Oscar-nominated turn in Cinderella Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. but sideways. Hey, what about, uh, what about Straight Outta Compton? Uh, As Jerry Heller. Oh, gosh. That might be my fucking, my poor Giamatti problem. The guy does at least minimum 15% too much for me a lot of the time. 
Mm. Minimum. The guy is a fucking grub for gobbling up the scenery. He is a <laughs> hungry little bitch when the camera's on him. He wants to yeah. fucking chew the scenery up. And judging by the fella, he's not spinning it out. He's swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> But I did see so, the holdovers. I did see the holdovers, okay. the new Alexander Payne film, and Cameron James. I absolutely loved it. And you did you love Paul in it? I adored that sick, sad, sweet little man. Oh I my god. Think it might be fuck. I might get struck by lightning for saying this. Not just Paul Giamatti's best performance. Whoa. Um, it might be Alexander Payne's best film. That's exciting to hear because, um, you know, like I like Alexander Payne, but I'm also not a, um, like, stan of his or whatever. Like I, I think he's got some good movies, but I also think he's got some things that are a bit boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. It looks cool. It looks like it's got a really cool visual style too, that sort of mm-hmm. like throwback 70s sort of look. Not only does it look like that, it actually feels like that. Like, it doesn't feel like a period piece. It feels like something unearthed from the 70s, like a lost Hal Ashby movie or something. Wow. Because it even begins with the old logos from the 70s, and they had to like, mm. create, like, a Focus Features and a Miramax logo that looked like the 70s, which is kind of a fun That's little cool. exercise. And mm. it just takes you into that place. If you're not feeling what the holdovers is yet, it's a it is a Christmas movie that is set at American all boys boarding school, not unlike something like School Ties or a more well known example, Dead Poet Society. And it's set of the Christmas period where a few boys do not get taken home to their parents. They're just stuck in the school over the like that holiday period with just Paul Giamatti, who is a really sad old bloke that is just stuck there because he gets pushed mm. out because he's not popular amongst the teachers. He doesn't really have a life outside the school, so he's just stuck there with the kids. And then uh, the only other person is like the chef caretaker who Mm. is an actor, Divine Joy Randolph, who people may have seen in The Lost City, Dolomite Is My Name. And God, is she? She's in in High Fidelity, the series. Uh And um, uh, what's that other series I like? Only Murders in the Building. Mm. And I... I was not immediately familiar with her. Like, I'd known her, recognized her enough from those things. But this is, mate, I'm, I reckon she'll win an Oscar Best Supporting Actress. I, I do think that she'll win. I think it is a fantastic performance. And any other year, that we, if we didn't have freaking Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy is a lock to win. I can't imagine anyone eking him out. This hmm. could have been a Giamatti year for Best wow. Actor. It could have been a Giamatti year for Best Actor. Dude, well, look, I, I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'll say Divine Joy Randolph is a star on the rise and has mm-hmm. been smashing it in every, like, performance she's given over the last five years or so. Giamatti, uh, has he ever won a major award? Um, Let me have a look. 
Um, I think he's been nominated for. I'm um, surely he got nominated for something like Sideways, right? He was nominated for Cinderella Man. That's his only Oscar nomination. Cinderella Man, only Oscar nomination. Wow. Okay. And you know what? It's and that's the kind of it, shit that I know offhand, which sucks. Yeah, I know. That's cr- some an actor that you famously don't like. You still know mm-hmm. what they've been nominated for an Oscar for. That's mental illness. Yeah, it sucks, man. I've got something wrong in my head that I will never be able to fix because it's also my big and my job. <laughs> yeah, true. It is your job. Uh, well, look, I think he's he's great in Cinderella Man. I'm excited to see him in the holdovers. If I can mention a couple of things that will maybe. Um, you know, much like you did for me, you held my mm-hmm. hand getting through this new fork in the road that I'm at with comics. Maybe I can guide you a little further down the Giamatti fork wow. Wow. and give okay. you a couple, a couple of performances to look mm-hmm. out for in the world. <laughs> some of which you've already seen. Um, the first one that I know you've already seen is, of mm-hmm. course, his role um, as your namesake, Alexi, aka the Rhino, in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. And he also wears fucking Adidas tracksuits in it. It's one of the things that pissed me off in my life. One of the early times that a character has my name with my spelling, my dress sense, is played by that little worm. Yeah, but it's it's not a bad performance. It's actually quite fun to see him kind of crazy? be a tough He cunt. sucks in it. He's awful. No, he doesn't, dude. No, oh he's God. he's fine. He's fine. I mean, what he's if I watch it again? Cunt. I start crying. <laughs> You probably will, man, because you, you now relate to this guy. You love yeah. him. Um, in the same vein, check him out in The Hangover Part 2 playing Detective Peters, wow. a great Todd Phillips joint which is set in Thailand in which um, Paul Giamatti plays a character. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Can I give you my, my perfect Paul Giamatti trilogy where he plays basically the same character? Is one of them going to be straight out of Compton? No, no, that's that's a duology, straight out of Compton and Love and Mercy, where he plays a grubby yeah, music executive. Yeah. But the other yeah. one is just like, I guess, kind of like corridor worker, a guy who's in a corridor. I would well, say- Well, this is what I was going to work up to for you. I was okay. going to say this exact same thing for you. But yeah, <laughs> of course, start talking about it. I mean, My Best Friend's Wedding, that's a great corridor yeah. performance from Paul Giamatti. I think that's- I think that's a hell of a performance, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's- it's a beautiful performance, and mm-hmm. it comes at just the right time in the movie when uh, Julie Roberts' character, Julianne, or Julianne mm-hmm. um, has crossed the line and has done something absolutely sinister, and then this glorious, beautiful little guardian angel, this little Jamadi angel, mm-hmm. pops down, shares a cigarette with her, and makes her feel a little bit better about where she's at in her life. And I think it's it's glorious. And this comes a year before The Truman Show, which is another kind of nameless character that he plays. <laughs> and I believe that I also find incredibly beautiful. <laughs> I agree. That's the other one I was thinking of. And I have one word to say to you about those two picks. Forget about it. I also love his exact same sequence in Donnie Brasco, where they discuss the word forget about it, where they are smoking inside a hotel room adjacent to a corridor. Yeah, so in your dream scenario, um, Paul Giamatti just stays at this level of his career, 1997, 1998, where he's playing characters with names such as FBI technician, bellman, and control room director. Wow. And he just has some funny lines. Wow. And gets to say something quite nice. 
Can I just say, as one character, FBI technician Bellman is a great name. <laughs> if his surname is Bellman, the FBI technician, I like that. That is good. That is good. Yeah, so is that where you're happy? You're happy in the uh, in the 1997, 98 era? It's where I like him most, but we would have been robbed of Sideways. We would have been robbed of the Bobovers. I think we would have been robbed of one of my favourite, uh, not only favourite Paul Giamatti performances, but possibly a favourite film. And this is the first time I'm saying this because I've never, I don't even think I believe it, but now that I'm saying it, it's I'm convincing movie. myself. I'm convincing myself that it is one of my favourite movies. It's in your top 25. Is, it's in my top 25, which is his role as Bob Zamuda in Milos Forman's Man on the Moon. Yeah, I think he's great in that movie, and I think it's it, it's a quite a beautiful, nice performance from him. That's so interesting because I barely remember him in it. He's Bob Zamuda. How could you forget? <laughs> yeah, you never know how much you're seeing him on screen. <laughs> you never know; it could be him in that big old suit. It's true. Uh, it's very beautiful, very beautiful performance, and I think you shouldn't be ashamed for liking Giamatti. Yeah, shouldn't but be ashamed. I you know it's I publicly diss the fella now. I think he's a neat old man. I think he's fantastic. I mean, and there were little steps along the way. I remember this movie called Private Life with him and Catherine Hahn uh, as mm. a married couple, Molly Shannon, John Carroll Lynch, Dennis O'Hare alongside them. I love that too. Think he was really fantastic in it. Alexi, part of growing up is admitting that you were wrong in the past and being yeah. okay with that. You can't just hang on to the same opinions for your entire life. You need to evolve. You need to buy a comic book at a certain point mm -hmm. when you're 35 and realize, hey, maybe I shouldn't have dissed this entire art form. Maybe mm -hmm. I should <laughs> take a chance. And you need to do the same thing with Paul. And I think that's okay. It's not, it's not a back step it's not conceding it's not mm -hmm. waving the white flag it's progression it's moving forward it's growing up oh i i'm admitting it now i've turned a new leaf paul giamatti i fucking love you brother i think you are a fantastic actor and i will be going through the back catalog and i will be amending all of my letterbox reviews yeah i think he's in your top 25 actors <sighs> no <laughs> Thank you for joining us on another episode of Special Features. Cameron James, you're building up to a tour. What do you want to push our little babies towards at the moment? Where can they join you? Well, they can join me in the show notes for this episode. And a lot of people have been messaging me after the last one and saying, I never check the show notes. I've never clicked on the show notes in my life, etc., etc." And I think... Part of our mission on this show is to change attitudes mm. and um, change the we culture really around show notes. We really want to change the culture <laughs> around show notes. <laughs> so if you dare, join me in the show notes and click on the link that goes to my mm. 2024 tour mixtape or go to livenation.com.au or just go to my Instagram and follow the links there. I think this is going to be my favorite tour, my favorite show that I've ever done. I'm really excited about it. I've got a lot of funny stories. I've got a lot of funny songs. I think a lot of the shows will sell out, and I'd love to have friends and fans there. So if you would like to come, I recommend getting in soon. Oof. 
That's okay. all I want to say about that. That is a temptation for all of you babies out there. Mm. How about you, Alexi? What have you got coming up? Uh, well, I've got a couple of tickets left for a screening of Carlito's Way that I'm hosting at the Golden Age Cinema on December 13th. Uh, come on down. It's Beautiful. one of my favorite movies of all time. I cannot Great wait to flight. present it and just watch it with a bunch of people. I've already seen the movie like three times this year, and I, I, I will see yeah. it one last time. Brian DePay. Brian DePay, Ali <laughs> P as well. All the gang is here. And Shorty he says, P. Say hello to my little Carlito. Say hello to my little friend. His name's Sean Penn. <laughs> uh, That's so a great I've got, flick. I've got that. It's a great movie. One of my very favorite films. So much fun. And uh, the third episode of Sunburn Screens just came out, and it, it, it is an introduction to Ozploitation. I think it's like so daunting when you go, oh, I want to get into Ozploitation. But there's just like hundreds of schlocky films. Like, where do you even start? So I'm giving mm. you an entry point. We're doing a filmmaker focus on Brian Trenchard-Smith, who nice. is a freaking iconic legend of Ozploitation, one of the best Australian filmmakers. And that's not just me saying it. Quentin Tarantino calls him one of his very favorite directors as well. Uh, so I sat down with him for a wonderful interview. Alex J and I cut it down to just like this golden chunk that is so freaking good. And we talk about all his stuff from his stunt work films with Grant Page, which was Death Cheaters, was a big film for our friendship. Me, you, Henry Stone, Love it. Jen Fricker, Sam Campbell, Craig Anderson. We all watched it together one fateful night probably like 10 years ago now, and look at us now. Mm. We're all superstars on the stage and screen. <laughs> yeah, I love Death Cheaters. I've watched it many times, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the other little like things that he's made along the way as well, little like shorts and little mm -hmm. stunt films and stuff it's with Grant Page. So cool. Yeah. Well, to yeah. tantalize you more, I'd tell you where I start the interview off. I talked mm. about something so specific that I want to know from him for ages. He made a government PSA film called Hospitals Don't Burn Down, which is basically to combat a string of fires set in hospitals because old blokes would smoke durries under the covers in their bed. And so the government enlisted him to make a film to combat it. And he basically makes a fucking 25-minute horror disaster movie about a hospital burning down. And he's always said it's his proudest achievement. So I go in and go, <laughs> tell me everything about this and why, do you, why are you so proud of this film? And he gives a really beautiful and like stunning answer um i've i've loved brian i've talked with him a few times over the years and basically as soon as the zoom came on and he realized that it was me who like hosted all these screenings with him a few years ago he just lit up and we had such a great talk and you'll be able to hear all that fun and like muck around that we have on the podcast that's so cool that's awesome can't wait yeah. to hear that so check it out sunburn screens and guess where you can find it Click through to the show notes, babe. Click oh, those links. We've got to get into these show notes. It sounds so exciting down there. I, I, I clicked on the show notes for another podcast recently too. So I'm like, maybe people are doing it. I didn't click a maybe, link from there, but I clicked on the show notes to see Yeah, how. maybe the tide is changing towards show notes. Maybe it's cool and in to, mm -hmm. to click on them now. And I will put another gag. I've been putting gags in the show notes, links to weird things. I haven't got one message yeah. about them. And I usually get a lot of messages about the podcast. No one has found the gags in the show notes yet. Maybe we should start putting links to porn. Well, okay. And it's like, 
have a little uh, a little treat on the house. <laughs> Click this link in the show notes at your own peril. <laughs> NSFW. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us again. We'll see you on another time, baby. And enjoy comic books and the works of Paul G. Maddie. <laughs> see ya.